good morning. Let me welcome you to Crossroads. It's, I thought it was starting to feel like Christmas. It looks like Christmas in here, but it's starting to feel a little bit like Christmas. Outside the building, inside the building, today's the Christmas parade. Uh, again, lots of things Christmassy starting to trickle into our lives and into our schedules. And it's just a great reminder. You don't have to get all crazy at Christmas. I mean, think about it. You, you don't have to get all crazy. You don't have to buy into the craziness that seems to happen this time of year and this season every year. You don't have to get sucked into all the craziness that seems to go on. As a matter of fact, I'm going to start challenging you during this season. And, and, and this is a challenge that I want to issue to you today. And it's not just a challenge that I'm going to issue today. It's going to be an ongoing challenge every time Christmas rolls around, as long as I'm here. And here's the challenge. Let's spend less so that we can give more. I mean, think about that. Let's, let's spend less so that we can give more. Let's spend less on ourselves and less on our family and less on our friends so that we can give more to people who truly need it in our community. I know that ruffles some feathers. But see, what we do here at Crossroads, we do something called the 100 Box Project, where we literally disperse in the month of December hundreds of boxes to people in our community. Those boxes are full of staple food items that we give to people, and they take those items and the items that they already have, and they're able to make multiple meals during the Christmas season. And today, as you leave, there's a table set up in the lobby. It's your last opportunity to sign up. Fill a box, bring it back next Sunday. Fill multiple boxes, and bring those boxes back next Sunday. We need you because people in our community are counting on us. Single moms, elderly people, counting on us to help them because that's what we've been called to do as the church. That's why I say let's spend less on ourselves so that we can give more to other people in our community. I mean, we also have a need here at Crossroads, which most of you know, since the 1st of November, we've been trying to raise $100,000 to make some upgrades here so that we can continue to create an environment where people can learn and grow and become fully devoted followers of Christ. So here's what I would say. If you haven't given towards that fund, we, we've been really lucky because, again, for those that don't know, we lost two 25-ton central units after 18 years. They've gone on, they've crossed the Rainbow Bridge and we've got to replace them. We weren't expecting to have to do that. So uh, we said, hey, we've got to raise $100,000, and we need to do it quick. But we've been really good because, you know, we haven't had any cold weather. But remember what happened last Christmas Eve? Anybody remember? Come on now. Come on. It got cold. Again, so if you haven't given towards that, you can still do that. Let's give. Let's spend less on ourselves so that we can give more. And again, I, I, I just want us to slow down. Slow down enough during this season so that we can actually enter into the Christmas season. If you'll just take the time to slow down so that you can enter into the Christmas season, and not just enter into the Christmas season, but actually enter into the Christmas story. So we can actually be those people who are taking good news of great joy. To all the people. Because see, it's just so easy to get caught up 
in the Christmas card pictures and the Christmas cards and the presents and the trees and, and, and making sure that you get the lights up. But see, you know what I think is more important? That we actually are the light in the world, in this season. Because if there's anything this world needs right now, it's light. It's the light of Jesus Christ because the world we live in right now is a dark place. And I just don't want you to miss out. I don't want you to miss out when it comes to keeping Jesus at the center. The center of his story and the center of his way during this very special time of the year. See, I recognize that Christmas gets crazy. You want to know how I know that Christmas gets crazy? Can I just get an amen in the house? Go down to Providence anytime between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Am I right? Oh, my gosh. It'll make a preacher say things he should not say. You know what I'm saying? I'll lose it. As a matter of fact... A survey said that people deal with anxiety and stress more during the Christmas season than they do at any other time of the year. As a matter of fact, there was a study that was done that said 59% of the people in the study defined Christmas. They actually defined the, the most wonderful time of the year as a season of chaos. 47% of the people in that survey said, you know what, I just wish I could just go ahead and skip Christmas. So the most wonderful time of the year has become the most stressful time of the year. And one of the things that I think is really interesting is this. The very enemy of your soul is working overtime to steal from you the very thing that Jesus came to give you. I mean, think about it. When the angels appeared to the shepherds, their proclamation was that Jesus will bring peace on earth and goodwill to men. As a matter of fact, there's a, there's a prophecy. The prophets actually foretold who Jesus would be, and they said he would be the Prince of Peace. And that prophecy is actually found in Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. And I want us to read it this morning. It'll be on the screen behind me. If you have your Bible, you can look it up, but you don't really need it, but you can see it there. Here's what the prophecy said. The prophecy said, for un look at what it says, for unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name... Now, look at what it says. Look at what they prophesied. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Take a minute and think about that prophecy. It's personal. You say, well, how do you know that? Look, look, look at the screen behind me. It says, what does it say? For unto us. That's personal. That means it's for you. That means it's for me. For unto us. So this prophecy is personal. It's personal because I want you to understand Jesus is personal. God is personal. He didn't just give his son to the world. He gave him to me. And he gave him to you. So that means Jesus is with us. It means that Jesus is for us. And what's interesting is this. The prophet Isaiah 
actually gives us four names. And those four names actually tell us who Jesus wants to be in our life as it relates to the Messiah. The the very first thing he says is this. Look at what it says. He says, wonderful counselor. And see, we, we read this story and we think about this story and we read right over this and we give no attention to these names. But see, I look at that and I think, wonderful counselor. What does a counselor do? They listen to us. We, we can go to a counselor and we can tell them all of the things that are happening in our lives and they listen to us and they take it all in and then they give us advice on how we can take a step forward. And Isaiah says that the, that the one that is coming is wonderful. And, and when it speaks of wonderful, that wonder, it's It's supernatural. So this one that is coming has supernatural counsel. doesn't matter what you might be facing in your life. If you're here today and you're looking for direction, you're joining us online and you're looking for direction, maybe you have to make a decision and you don't know the answer. You know what that tells us? He does. Because he's a wonderful counselor. And then it goes on to say, mighty God. Now, see, again, I want you to think about this, mighty God. We, we think that the word mighty to describe this, this coming Messiah is just a word that's kind of thrown in there. But that word is actually translated to help us understand that this mighty God is our warrior. He's our warrior God. He's actually our champion. He's fighting for you, and the reason he's fighting for you is because he wants to make sure that you experience victory in your life. Mighty God, warrior God. And then he says, everlasting Father. You know that phrase, everlasting Father, really probably means Father of eternity. I mean, think about what a father does. A father gives life. And Jesus is the one who gives us life. He gives us eternal life. He's the father of our eternity. In fact, we can't have everlasting life without this father, Jesus, who has come to give us everlasting life. And then it says, Prince of Peace. Again, let's dissect that a minute. What what about a prince? What does a prince do? A prince is a ruler. The ruler of peace. If he's a prince and he's a ruler, then that means that he has the authority to give peace whenever he wants, wherever he wants. And this is kind of where I'm going to camp out the next two or three weeks up until Christmas Eve. Because if I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but if there's anything that there's a void of in our world right now, it's peace. Because you and I need the peace that only Jesus can bring. We need peace in our relationships. Come on now. That's what we're going to talk about next week. We're going to look at peace and and what it means to our relationships. 
Then I want to talk about how Jesus came to give us peace of mind. You know why I would talk about having peace of mind? Is because your mind moves in the area of your strongest thoughts. I mean, think about that. Your mind moves in the area of the thing that you think about the most. And what you have got to realize is there is a battle to win the war of our mind. So I want to look at it and I want to talk about it. Because there's, when there is no peace in your mind, there will be no peace in your heart. Come on. It's the truth. If there's no peace in your mind, there's not going to be any peace in your heart. And the reason I would spend talking weeks talking about peace is because I believe there's a peace that we can have. Because again, when you look at the world around us, you start to see that the world in which we live in, if there's anything the world needs now, it's peace. So let me ask you a question. Is peace even possible? Did Jesus really deliver on the words of the prophecy that we just read? Because again, look at the world. You look at, you look at Ukraine. Look at Israel. Look, look, look at the terrorism going on around the world. Look, look at our own country and how everything is just, you know, what's wrong is right and what's right is wrong. It's all upside down. The world seems to be less peaceful now than it ever has. We seem to have more problems in 2023 than we have ever had. So is peace even possible? And I got to thinking, maybe it's the way that we define peace. Maybe we actually have the wrong definition when it comes to peace. Because see, here's the thing. When people think about peace, a lot of people will define peace as the absence of chaos. Peace is the absence of struggle. I base peace on, on, on what I see and what I feel going on around me. Those things, those outward things, are what determine if I have peace. So if I don't have any problems, then I have peace. But that's not what Jesus said. Look at John chapter 16. Look at, look at what Jesus said. These are the words of Jesus. He said, I have told you these things. So that, look at what it said. Those next two words are important. So that in me, you may have peace. Because in this world, you will have what? What did it say? Trouble. Say it again. Trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. See, I think the problem lies in the way that we define peace. Because we seem to have this habit of defining peace as the absence of struggle, the absence of conflict, the absence of chaos. But that's not what the Bible says. The biblical definition of peace is actually not the absence of chaos. The biblical definition of peace, it actually means this deeply entrenched presence and harmony. Even in the midst of chaos. 
There's a word in the Bible that actually kind of describes peace, and it's the word shalom. Look, look at the definition of shalom. It means to make something whole. Completion. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Now look at that. That's what Jesus came to give you. That's what Christmas is all about. That's what he came to give you. Jesus came to give you a life where nothing is missing and nothing is broken. Doesn't matter what's going on around us. Jesus came so that we can be whole. Kind of reminds me of this puzzle. 500 pieces. It's called Christmas Night Lane. Reminds me of a Hallmark movie. I, yes, I lost my man card a long time ago. I watch Hallmark movies, okay? Same ending every time. I cry every time. I do every time. But, but, but it reminds me of this puzzle. You can't see all the pieces of this puzzle, but I will tell you this. We, we put the puzzle together, and the pieces of the puzzle have been counted. It was absolutely whole, like it was supposed to be. There was not one piece missing. So the picture that you're looking at, it gives you what I call a picture of what it means to be whole. But see, I think a lot of us in this room, some of you watching online and listening online, We've been robbed of our peace, and we don't even know it. So let me ask you a question that will help me kind of finish up this morning. And, and the question is this. Look, look at the screen. Is there anything in your life right now that's broken? If you're a Georgia fan, we understand, okay? Is there anything in your life that's missing? I mean, think about it. Do you have anything broken in your life? Is there anything that's, that's missing in your life? Maybe a broken career. Maybe a broken relationship. Maybe there's something in your life that you just don't have that you want. Maybe a spouse. A life partner. Maybe you just wish you had children that would behave. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a sense of purpose. And maybe today, because you're walking through life and, 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 you, and, you, and you feel like there's a, there's a missing piece, you just feel like, you know what, I can't have the full picture. Because when we feel like something's broken or we feel like something's missing, then, 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 the, then this picture of, of peace, is, it's, it's out of our reach. We feel like it's something that we can't have. But see, there's good news. And the good news is the prophecy that we just read about the Prince of Peace. That prophecy tells a story over your life. And that's the story that I want to declare over you this morning. Because you see, before Jesus came, they, they thought when the Messiah was coming... They thought the Messiah was coming to earth to, to, to bring political peace, to bring, to bring temporary peace. In that culture, they actually thought that the Messiah was going to come and he was going to overthrow the, the Roman oppressors. 
and he would come and he would establish an earthly kingdom. But Jesus came to establish something that was so much more and so much more important than something that's just earthly. Because Jesus came to, to establish something that was spiritual. That was eternal. He came to, 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 to establish something that would impact so many more people. Because think about it. If he had come just to establish something for then, that time, and for just those people, then it would soon fade away. But instead, Jesus came. Listen, listen, listen. He came to establish a spiritual peace. A lasting peace, a spiritual kingdom that would not be limited by time or location or by a certain group of people. So that means for all of us this Christmas, that you and I can tap in to that very peace. See, you think about the ministry of Jesus, you start to realize that that peace was kind of the hallmark of what Jesus actually did. I mean, think about Jesus. He would heal somebody, and what would he say? Go in peace. Or, or, or maybe he would run into somebody, and he would say, my peace I give to you. And if you look at the book of Ephesians, it actually tells us that Jesus came to preach peace. And again, throughout the New Testament, if we look, we see Jesus speaking and declaring peace into very specific situations and areas of people's life. And really, this is what I want to declare over you this morning as, as we actually start the Christmas season here at Crossroads. We see these areas where, where Jesus actually speaks peace into people's lives. And the very first place that I saw it was this area. Jesus speaks peace into brokenness. And that's what I believe he wants to do today. I believe he wants to speak peace into your brokenness. And if we look at Luke chapter 7, we find a story where Jesus is at the home of a Pharisee having dinner. And think about it. While Jesus is having dinner, this, this woman just busts in and she interrupts the dinner party. And not only does she just bust in and, and interrupt the dinner party, she brings with her a jar of perfume and she breaks open the perfume and she pours it on the feet of Jesus and then she dries off his feet and the perfume with her long, beautiful hair. And the Pharisees get all constipated because of this woman. You know, I mean, they get all tore up. They can't believe this woman has interrupted them. And Jesus says, ho, ho, time out. He says, let me tell you a story. He's talking to the Pharisees. He says, let me tell you a story. You need to understand that when somebody has been forgiven of much, they love much. And this woman, she's had a lot going on in her life. And when Jesus finishes talking to the Pharisees, he looks at this woman. Now think about this. This woman with all of her past and all of her regret. 
And this is what he says, Luke chapter 7, verse 50. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Don't let your past haunt you. Don't let where you've been and what you've done haunt you. Don't let the past that's been a part of your life, don't, don't carry that with you anymore. Don't let what has happened to you keep you away from what God has for you. And think about that. I believe that's somebody's word today. Don't let your past and what has happened to you stop you from what God has for you. Because, see, we have this tendency to carry with us our regrets, to hold on to our regrets. We want to hold on to our shame. And when we do that, that is the very thing that keeps you from God's peace. And then we miss the peace that he came to speak into the broken areas of our lives. But Jesus came to speak to that. Specifically to our broken relationship with God. And to forgive our sins. And to make everything new. But you know what I love about this lady? I love that she walked out of that dinner party. Not only having peace with God. But she walked out of there with the peace of God. Because she had been forgiven of her sins. brokenness but see not all brokenness comes as a part of the past there are many people right now in this service listening online watching online who are dealing with brokenness because you know what somebody made a commitment that they would be them they're with them for their life they were going to stay with them forever in their life they would be there forever but then that person broke the promise so we have this broken heart and sometimes we have this broken confidence or this broken spirit. Because we can look at our own life and people have spoken mean words over us or said mean things about us. Many of you have been broken by the pain of abuse. There's a hole in your heart and a hole in your life. And you feel like you can't be whole. Because it's like somebody has abused you, and when they abused you, it's like they took something away from you. And can I just say this morning, if that's you, I'm sorry. But you need to know that the promise is that the Prince of Peace is for you. He's the one who wants to speak to every broken place that is a part of our lives. And so many times when we deal with a broken place, a broken heart, it's so hard for us to forgive other people for, what's up, for something or, or what has happened in our lives. We feel like that if I forgive them, I'm excusing them. They did something to me that was really wrong, and if I forgive them, then I'm excusing them. 
But the one thing that I need you to hear me say this morning is this, that unforgiveness is the very thing that keeps us from the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. Listen to me this morning. Unforgiveness is the weapon that the enemy uses to rob you of your peace. And so many times when we have been wronged, so many times when we have been broken by someone, we think that somehow by forgiving them that we are saying that it was okay as it relates to what they did to us. But hear me. Forgiveness is not an excuse for somebody else's behavior. And what they did is not okay. But hear me, unforgiveness, if you don't forgive somebody for what they did to you, it can become that unforgiveness is this chain that keeps you connected to not just the person, but it keeps you connected to the past. So when Jesus says, forgive as you have been forgiven, it's not what he wants from you. But it's what he has for you. And the thing that I think is important for you and I to know is that, listen, 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 listen. You're never going to feel like forgiving somebody. You're never going to feel like you want to forgive somebody. That's why we need to understand that forgiveness isn't a feeling, forgiveness is a choice. It's a choice that we make to release, to release judgment into the hands of God, to release pain from the past. And when we open our hands and we forgive somebody, and when we open our hands and release, that means that God can actually release his freedom and his peace into our lives. So here's what I want you to hear me say. Jesus wants to speak peace into our brokenness. But we have to choose his word. Because you don't want to miss out on one more day of peace. So my prayer today, and not just today, but in the coming weeks. My prayer during this Christmas season. Is that Jesus will begin to speak peace over the broken things that you've been carrying in your life. Many of you for a long time. Many of you for years, you've been carrying these broken things. But that peace starts today in Jesus' name. Because Jesus wants to speak into the broken areas of your life. Here's the second place that we see Jesus speaking peace. Jesus speaks peace into our storms. Think about it. All the storms we go through in life. Jesus is the, is the peace speaker. And in the Bible, we find story after story. And one of those is actually found in Mark chapter 4 when the disciples are traveling across the Sea of Galilee. You've heard this story a million times. I, don't, I can't even tell you. If I had a dollar for every time I probably preached it, we could pay for those units. You know what I mean? But, but here they are in this boat on the Sea of Galilee, and out of nowhere, a storm appears, and Jesus is sleeping. And here's, here's what it says in John, uh, Mark chapter 4. Look at it. It said, soon a fierce 
storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was, this is so good. I'm going to show you something I bet you have not seen. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. I bet he had a my pillow. You know what I'm saying? I love those. That's what I have. I'm not getting political, okay? I just like my pillow. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Peace, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and it was completely calm. Now here's what I know from my own life. Storms come out of nowhere, amen? Some of you are going to get one this afternoon that you don't even think about right now. Storms just come out of nowhere. Somebody will say something to you or about you or involve you in something, and you know what? Suddenly you're in a a relationship storm. Go to the doctor and get a bad report, and all of a sudden you're overcome by fear. Dealing with problems at work, with with family. Oh, family. And you think you're going to go under, right? But see, if you're anything like me, you pray the very same prayer You pray the very same prayer that those disciples prayed in that boat. Jesus, don't you care? See, I've heard it said, you're either going into a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or you're stuck in a storm. Merry Christmas. There you go. That's where we are. You're going in, you're coming out, or you're stuck. But here in the Bible, we see Jesus speaks to our storms. And when he spoke those words, peace be still, it was actually a miracle that would testify to his power. But what would happen in that moment was so much greater than Jesus being this, like I call him this supernatural storm stopper. Say that a hundred times. And this morning, I want to show you something that maybe you have not seen in this story. Because here's the thing, Jesus was asleep on his my pillow. How could he sleep? Because Jesus knew they were going to make it to the other side. Even though they were in the storm. That's the reason he was asleep. He was fine. Jesus didn't calm the storm because they were in the storm. Jesus calmed the storm to prove a point. Because you see, in what he did, the disciples were able to see something that they had never seen before when they were with him. They got to know something that they did not know before. And they got to know it. Listen, come on, come on, come on. They got to know it because they were in the storm with Jesus. So that speaks to you, Crossroads. Whatever storm you might be going through right now, I want you to know there's something that Jesus wants to show to you. Jesus wants to show you who he is, and not just who he is, but the power that he has. And you would not find who he is and the power that he has in any other way unless you were in that storm with him. Come on now. 
There's no other way you would discover it. But what's interesting is verse 41. In verse 41, it says that the disciples were absolutely terrified when the seas were calm. Why, why would they be terrified when the seas were calm? Who is this man that the wind and waves obey him? See, the disciples had been to all the good Hebrew schools. They knew all the character of God. They had heard all the good stuff about a God who had dominion and authority over everything. So they knew in that moment that when the seas were calm, they knew why they were terrified was because they then in that storm were face to face with the Creator. This God who had power and dominion. And that's the first time these guys had experienced that revelation. And what Jesus was letting them know in that moment is you don't have to fear. You don't have to doubt because you can trust me. I got this. Because think about it, in that moment there were actually two storms going on. There was the physical that they could see on the outside. And Jesus didn't just speak to the thunder and the lightning and the waves, all that was going on on the outside, but he's speaking to the storm of fear and anxiety and worry that was going on on the inside. And in that moment, Jesus gave this greater revelation of just who he was and what he could do. And think about it, that's the revelation that we need. I mean, think about it, because just look back at the last few years. We've been walking through storm after storm. And can, can I just go ahead and tell you something? Next week, next year is an election year. It's going to be stormier than you have ever seen. People are going to be meaner and uglier than it's ever been. We have had so many external storms that can actually cause an internal storm of fear and worry. When we start looking at what's happening out there. I mean, it actually makes it hard for you and I to believe that God's going to actually do what he said he would do. So we start having fear about our future. And we worry and anxiety and just, it just, it just, it, we just, we start tripping out. So let me just speak to you. This morning, if you find yourself in a storm, just know that God is for you. Just know that God is with you. Just know that Jesus is in the boat with you, and Jesus is going to see you through to the other side. And I believe that in this storm, that he not only wants to give you revelation about his power, but revelation about his presence and his purpose over your life. Now think about it. You might not get the answers that you want when you want the answers that you think you need. It 
It's not going to work just exactly like you want it to work. Because that's the way life is. It can be one big jumbled up mess of pieces. And we can't see with our own eyes how any of this stuff fits. But again, let me remind you of something. Have you ever tried to put together a puzzle without a picture of what the puzzle is supposed to look like? Because the picture is your God. And listen to me, Crossroads. Listen, you need to hear this. When you don't have the picture, Jesus does. Because Jesus is your God. He wants to guide you through the storm. Because he sees the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. He sees how he's working all things together for good, for his plan, and for your peace, and for his purpose. He's the God. And when you cannot trace his hand, you can always trust that he is for you. Because he's the one who has the big picture. He is the one who always speaks peace into the storms. I want to cover a third place that Jesus speaks peace this morning, and here it is. Jesus speaks peace over our purpose. Now think about this. Jesus speaks peace over and into our purpose. And it's interesting because where we find this is in the Gospel of John chapter 20. This is after the crucifixion and some of the disciples are hiding out because they're afraid. They haven't seen Jesus yet. The, the, the crucifixion and the resurrection has already happened. And they haven't seen Jesus yet. They've heard about it, but they're scared for their lives because they are fearful that the Roman soldiers are going to come after them because they were disciples of Jesus. They're going to come after them next. So the disciples are in this room, they're in the room, the doors are locked, the windows are shut, the shades are down, and suddenly Jesus comes right through the door without even opening it. And look at what it says. He says to them, peace be with you. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, look at what he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Look at what it says. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Get the picture. The very people that God, or that Jesus had called to be world changers. Were hiding out in a room, scared to do the very thing that they had been called to do. Scared to be the very people that they had been purposed to be. So the one thing that Jesus says to them is what? Peace. Peace be with you. Why would Jesus say peace be with you? Because, listen, listen, listen. Peace was directly connected to their purpose. Again, look at verse 21. Here's what it says. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. 
Now, look, Jay, go, Jay, go back. You see the punctuation in there? It shouldn't really be there. That's one continuous thought. Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. It's one continuous thought. The peace is connected to the thing that I'm doing. The thing I'm doing is sending you. I'm sending you because I have a purpose for your life. Because what I have determined and what I have come to realize is this. Without the peace of God, we cannot fulfill the purpose of God in our lives. Now think about this. You have to receive the peace so that you can give the peace away. You have to receive the peace so that you can give the peace away. So Jesus enters the room. He comes right through the door at a Star Trek moment. And he says to them, not even opening the door, he just goes right through it and he says, peace be with you. And the next verse says this. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. What's he saying? Receive this peace. Receive this spirit of peace. Because you can't have a real and personal peace unless you have a real and personal encounter with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of peace. This ongoing relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. I mean, think about it. When Jesus was about to leave this earth, you know what he told people? He said, it's going to be better after I leave. He told them that. He said, it's going to be better after I leave. Because he was going to send back a peace that this peace would not just be limited to one location, but it would be a peace that was going to be distributed into the hearts of people. And in John chapter 14, Jesus said this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. What's the peace he's talking about? The peace that he's talking about is the Holy Spirit. Because listen to me this morning. Without him, the Holy Spirit, you can't have peace. Come on. Remember a while ago I asked you was something missing? Remember a while ago when I asked you, was something broken? Well, can I tell you what the missing piece is not? The missing piece is not more money. The missing piece is, some of you think that's, what, that, that's why you're at church. You're like, I got to pray, I got to make more money, we, gotta, we can't afford Christmas. But let me tell you, the missing piece is not more money. The missing piece is, is, is not a better job. It's, it's not even a better career. The missing piece is, is not the answer to the prayer that you've been praying. The missing piece is, isn't even your health. But the missing piece is the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the missing piece. 
his presence and his power. And as the Prince of Peace, he came to deliver us peace with God. And that peace happens at the moment of salvation. But here's the thing. If we think that's all that we get, peace at the moment of salvation, can I just tell you this? You're selling salvation very short. He did not only give us the peace with God, but he gave us the peace of God. And that peace is a peace that lives in us and dwells in us. And that through the Holy Spirit, we can have His presence and His power. No matter what we're dealing with. There's a story of a man named Horatio Spafford. Who in the 1800s, like 1870s, made a huge investment in the Chicago real estate market. But the great fire of Chicago in 1871 wiped out his real estate investment. He lost everything as it relates to that investment. Shortly after that loss, he made a decision to take his family to Europe. Something happened and Horatio could not go with his wife and his four daughters. So he sent them ahead on a ship to cross the Atlantic and he would join them later. He got the news that the ship that his wife and daughters were on had been in a collision with another vessel. His wife had survived, but he lost his four daughters. He got on another ship to go and to comfort his grieving wife. And at the place that he was told his daughters perished, he wrote these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say it is well it is well with my soul and think about that peace to have peace in the loss of your four daughters that kind of peace it just seems impossible but you know the truth that kind of peace is available and that song has become a testimony of peace a testimony of peace. And you think about the word testimony, you know, you think about the word testimony, you think you actually know what it means. Do you know what the word biblically means from when you say the word testimony? It means this. It means that God can do it again. And that song is a testimony. So this peace that we have is a supernatural peace. It's not the absence of pain. It's not the absence of chaos. It's not the absence of heartache. 
It's actually the presence of His Spirit in our deepest pain and our greatest heartache. And that's the peace that the Prince of Peace came to give. So you know what I want for you during this Christmas season? Because you know what? This may be our last Christmas season as Christians. I want you to have your own testimony of peace. But the only way that you can have that in your life is that you have to encounter the Holy Spirit of peace. We don't want you to miss the greatest Christmas gift that God wants to give you this year. Because it's an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Would you bow your heads and pray with me, please? God, we are so thankful that you are good and you are worthy to be praised. And that, God, that you would send your Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. Prince of Peace to make a way where there did not seem to be a way to give us a peace that when he gave his life was put in a tomb for three days, was resurrected and ascended and now sits at the right hand of the Father that he sent back the Holy Spirit of peace and that we can have an encounter with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus And things truly can be better than they were when Jesus himself was even here. My prayer today is all across this room and all across this nation as people are watching and listening. That they will have an encounter with the Holy Spirit of peace. Because you can't give away a peace that you haven't received. That they will recognize Jesus as the author and the finisher of their faith. that they will recognize that supernatural peace that says it is well it is well with my soul God we love you and we thank you for this time together as we ask this prayer in Jesus name Amen
mountain that's in front of me will be thrown into the midst of the sea. 